Welcome to the Make Your Friends Rich podcast, dedicated to founders and their friends enriching each other and how that love fest can manifest into beautiful things. We're your hosts, Megan Everett and Lance Pin. In the years we've known one another, we've helped each other make money and friends that, that have changed, changed our lives. lives. Remembering always, it's not what you know, but who you know. And how useful you can be to each other that can really change your stations in life. So us as human beings with having bodies are like radio towers. We're antennas picking up everybody's thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So what's happening is if we are highly aware, which we all are, but if you're highly aware, you are picking up everybody's thoughts, feelings, and emotions and believing that they're yours. 99.9 of the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that we are feeling are not ours. And I'm going to say this again, 99.9% of the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that we are feeling are not ours. We've all had this experience of walking into a room and you could automatically feel what other somebody else is feeling. You know if there's, the energy is like you could cut it with a knife or if somebody's had. And the first language that we speak is energy. We don't even need to speak English or Russian or Japanese. It doesn't matter. We speak energy. And so going back to what Megan asked about the events, energy, how you put butts in seats is energy. People feel energy. People feel bullshit. People feel awareness and they feel what is real and what is not. On today's episode, we have fitness entrepreneur, Joanna Vargas. She's the host of the Get Up Girl podcast, a serial entrepreneur, and has been named woman of the year twice. We talk about her superpower to get butts in seats at her events as she walks us through her four-step process. We also talk about mental health in this episode. As the hosts of this show and entrepreneurs ourselves, we want to emphasize that we take mental health very seriously and recognize that there are real diseases that require medication. In this episode, we discuss a holistic approach that Joanna has taken and how to cope with hypersensitivity. Joanna fills the room with a positive energy and we're excited to introduce her to all of you. Today we have Joanna. She is a friend of mine that I met in a mastermind two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I've been on her podcast. She's done amazing things and we're excited to talk to her about things like failing forward, rebuilding after loss, but also how you build community. And I know you say one of your superpowers is getting butts and seats, which is a superpower many of us do not have. So excited to get started. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and just tell us who you are and what you do? I'm super excited to be here. My name is Joanna Vargas, born and raised in Los Angeles. And I always was different since I was a little girl. I did not fit in. And back in the eighties, it was not cool to not fit in like the way it is now. You know what I mean? So I was such a great actress of fitting in. I knew how to take tests. I knew how to go to school, but I was dyslexic and I would always get 4.0s, but I knew how to talk to the teachers. So one of my superpowers 
is like knowing how to talk to people. I knew how to remember who remembers the movie Clueless. Oh yeah. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Lance. Remember when she goes to all her teachers and she changes her grades? That's what I used to do. So I took all those superpowers and created them into businesses. But so long story short, I opened up a dance studio when I was 24 and then uh, moved on and just kept creating more businesses. Went on to a fitness studio, created a 5K run, a music festival, things of that nature, you know, and after or during the pandemic, it was such a of layers of Joanna and who am I? Who truly am I? And I know it sounds so cliche and Megan and I have talked about that a lot. Yeah. And yeah, getting back up, who the hell am I? And that's the Cliff Notes version of who I am. Well, I think everybody should know who you are. I know we've had a lot of conversations about this, about getting back up. And during the pandemic, you closed your fitness studio but you immediately pivoted to doing online fitness. And now I know you're working in another studio. What are you doing now? Very interesting, Megan, because I pretty much swore, you know, never say never, that I would never work for anybody. I have yeah. not had a job, a W-2 in almost 20 years. And after the pandemic, I was getting really curious or doing during it, really curious, asking questions of what's next for me. What can I create from this? What is right about this right now that I can't see because it feels like hell? And I just kept getting really curious. And it kept pinging to go on to indeed.com. And I'm like, I just got this like awareness, this ping. One day I open up my computer and the first thing that pops up is this fitness studio. And my body lit up. Like I was just aware. Everything, I had goosebumps. It was like that. That Saturday, I was at an audition and Lance, Megan, this job has changed my freaking life. It was such a gift for me because it revamped my, my love. It, re, it helped me fall back in love with who the hell I am, that question of who am I. It helped me rediscover what I'm really, really good at because I got lost. I got yeah. lost from the go, go, go. I couldn't even see. And here's a little side note. People have been asking me questions like, hey, remember back in, you know, three years ago, remember this happened? And I don't even remember because I wasn't even present. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if you asked me something in pop culture or news, what happened three years ago, I couldn't even tell you because I was so focused on work that I wasn't even aware of anything else that was help happening on this planet. And now I feel like I'm just so much more free and it had to be literally shaken from my core and ripped from me. And so that's what I'm doing now. I'm teaching fitness, teaching online and creating what the hell I want and living moment by moment and freaking loving it. I love that. You seem so much lighter, but also, you know, who you are now and you've gotten your confidence back because there was this period of time where so many of us, because we lost so much so quickly, lost our confidence completely. And now I see you as like the Joanna I met in that room. You're back and I love it. Back and clear. It's like I have yeah. glasses on. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm in a good place. And so when people ask me like, how are you? I genuinely am like, I'm really good right now. Like I'm such in a good place. Do you want to hear it all about it? Because before I'd be like, I'm okay. I'm, I'm hanging in. Yeah, it sucks. But 
I feel I'm in a really good place. Thank you. I can feel the vibe. Yeah, in a really good place. Are you still in Los Angeles? I am. I'm also from Los Angeles. Tarziana, Reseda. How's the how's that going? Yeah. Uh, Karate Kid. We have a Renaissance. It's pretty pretty yeah. great. And I, I love your Clueless reference. I have another reference from that that show, that movie. Uh, great great film. Hopefully, the younger generation gets a chance to see it and uh, respects it. There's a there's a situation where she's entering like the it's recess or whatever they have in high school and they're out on the quad or whatever in the, in, in the green space of the school and she points out the different groups and she isolated them. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, sort of maneuvered to climb her way to the top but was respectful of all the groups and that, you know, positioned her well. Maybe I've, I've, maybe I've picked up more from Clueless than Clueless was trying to give to me. But, uh, you know, I've, I've always tried to, to, to be able to identify various groups and, ident- and get with them and co-mingle that way to build my network. If you're from an LA, as cool as I think you are, I bet you've done some of the same. Yeah, you know what? I do remember that part in Clueless when she's going, those are the jocks, those are the, the, the potheads or whatever. And she says, no respectable girl ever will date that you know, type of person. But then by the end of the movie, she does a full circle and is friends with all of them. So yeah, what a cool reference to see of how you could be a chameleon in life and know who you like, who you naturally gravitate towards, but how can you be a chameleon? Like how can you put butts in seats and know how to talk to people in ways that they wanna be talked to? Not the way you wanna be talked to, but the way they wanna be talked to. And so that's really important. I like that. Yeah, you can learn a lot from Clueless, <laughs> right? That was great because I didn't really phrase my question well and you knew exactly what I wanted to say. So thank you very much. Yes, you got it. <laughs> Let's go into this a little bit more. How exactly would you teach someone to get butts and seats? Because yeah. events are hard. We know this, like getting people to attend events, you will invite hundreds of people and you are lucky if 10 to 20% of those people show up. So how do you go about this? Well, Megan, question would be, is it paid or free? Because then that's totally separate. That's different. Let's talk about a free event and then we'll go into paid. So a free event. Let's say it's going to be a funnel and you're going to have a free event. Let's say you're having a book release and it's a free event. You just want to create buzz and you want to create FOMO because you want people to come so that you can have photos and you can have things of that nature to look like, oh my gosh, this was so much fun. Okay, here's the first thing that I teach people. And 99.99999% of people do not do this. It is so freaking simple, but most people do not do it. And I know people listening are probably not going to do it. If one person listening out of 100 changes it, I'm going to be so happy. And here is the, the holy grail. Use people's names when you speak to them. It's freaking simple. It's brilliant. It's simple. It's like 101 communication. As soon as you meet somebody, say their name and then say it three times. And then if you're talking to them in an hour, say it again, like every sentence. And so, but it's normalized in this reality to say, I'm not good with names. Like that's normal. Mm. So when you say I'm good with names, you're almost you're like a unicorn. You're an anomaly. What? You're good with names. It's not that I'm good, better with names than somebody else is. It's just that I practice. It is a learned skill. It's just like lifting weights. I don't, I didn't go into the gym lifting hundred pound weights on day one. You started with three pounds and went to five pounds. 
And so that's number one. Number two is that we're not being mindful when we're meeting somebody. So you're like, hi, nice to meet you. And you're like, I forgot that person's name because that person wasn't important to you. So when you don't use somebody's name, that person is saying in their mind, you don't care about me. So what they're really saying is, why the hell would I come to your event? Why the hell? Because you don't care about me. It's so fake. You want me to come to your event because you're fake. But sometimes we cannot articulate that. People can't articulate it. So they'll just say, I don't want to go. Right? They may not be conscious or aware of why they're not going. So what they say is like, oh, I'm busy. I can't go. But when they genuinely know that you freaking care about them because you're saying their name, they will be there. Another thing is that as soon as somebody's born or they have a baby shower, what does everybody do or ask? They all ask, what are you going to name the baby? Like mm. literally, they like now the new thing. I mean, when I was a baby, my parents didn't name me until like a day later I was born, right? But now people name the baby when they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's so freaking important. Your name is so important to you. And then also when you die, it's on your tombstone. So you you're start with your name and you end with your name. And it's so important. And then the most important thing that we love and care about and hearing is our name and we don't do it. So, so if you're going to have an event on Saturday, Lance, Megan, right? And you're like, nobody's showing up. Well, what's happened is you already seeded it six months before, a year before of not talking to people with their name. Going to DMs and going, hey girl, I'll see you Saturday. Okay, girl, you know my name. You know who I am. And you're still saying, hey girl. Like, I get it. I know it's like colloquialism. It's cool. I totally get it. And when you say my name, it sounds so sweet. It's seeding it. You're seeding it for six months, a year. You're creating that relationship so that by the time you're going to pull the trigger and have that event, it's packed because people feel a connection with you. And they're like, oh my gosh, Lance actually cares about me. They may not articulate it, but they know in their core why they want to go. They may not be aware of it. So this is the long game. As soon as you meet somebody, learn their name. The next thing is, experience is so important. So it's the before, right? Now you got them in the seats. Now that party better be freaking amazing. If there's three people or 30,000 people, it better be amazing. And do not change the experience due to lack of people. I've seen a lot of parties where it's less people. So they give less attention and you could tell that they're less invested. And I'm like, I'm here. There's three people I'm here and I'm really important. I'm one of the third person and you better make it amazing. I don't care that not everybody showed up. You make it amazing for me. And so I see a, a lot of people lack that and then they will make a less party because there's less mm. people, right? And so with the experience, I divided it in fours. One, there's different types of people. you got to make it like a warrior type event. So you hit the warrior-ness, like the red spirit, the, is it strong? Is it powerful? Does your event make you want to go? Like, are you dressed to the nines? That's 25% of it. The other percent is, did it start on time? Did you give me all the information? Did you say what we were going to do in the copy? And then did it happen? Because mm. a lot of people are going, wait, 
You told me on the Eventbrite on the phone that it was going to start at 12. You told me I was going to get a gift bag. You told me I was going to get appetizers. And it was such bullshit. You lied. We started an hour late. You disrespected my time. I had to pay for parking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Then the other part is, was it fun? Was there music? Was the music loud enough? Did the music coincide with the type of people that were, that were going? If they're Gen Xers, if they're millennials, if they're Gen Zers, the music's got to cater to those types of people. And then the fourth part is, was it heartfelt? Did you hug people? Did you say, thank you, Megan, so much for coming out? Did you send a thank you text afterwards? Did you send a thank you note? Did you, did you tag them on Instagram? It's four part mm -hmm. series. And if you do all parts, 25%, 100% of 25 each, people go, oh my God, that was the best event ever. And then the next event you have, they will show up. I love this. I've never seen anybody break it down to a way where it sounds so easy. Because obviously executing is the hard part, but even the concept of putting it together, like how the heck would you put together your first event? You know what I mean? I used to do, when I first started perform, did like these little dinners for women, like business women in the community, which were great, but I would personally get disappointed when only like five people showed up. And I had to recognize that like I was throwing a pity party. So like, don't throw pity parties, like keep going. Cause there is a little disappointment when people say they're coming and they don't come, which happens with free events. But now when we're talking about paid events, obviously way more people come if they're paying. How do you pick a price point that people can afford and that they will show up for? Cause those are two different things. If it's too low, people still won't come. Cause they're like, oh, I paid 20 bucks. I have other things to do. Yeah. With paid events, Megan, what I've noticed is that they're going to normal, normally now, they're going to go to a free thing first, mm -hmm. either a free event, your podcast, your book, they're going to do something free first. And you better have delivered from free. Under promise, over deliver. I'm going to say that again, tattoo that on your ass. Under promise, over deliver. Because most people over promise and freaking under deliver. And that pisses me off. It has nothing to do with price. I don't care if I paid 99 cents for it. If you said I was going to get X, Y, Z and I got ABC, I'm out. Because you lied. Because you think I'm stupid. I wasn't born yesterday. My 99 cents means a lot to me. So that's number, that's a big one. So when you go to a paid event, you better under promise and under deliver excuse me, over deliver. And when you do that paid event and then they leave feeling so amazing, they're going to be willing to keep paying a little bit more every single time. So that's what I do, Megan. I'll find a price point that's like just right. And then every time I do it again, I'll add 10%. I'll add a little bit more. I'll add a little bit more. And the biggest thing you want is for those people to leave and tell somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan Lance, I always say you want to create dinner conversations, meaning your clients that come to a party, an event, an experience, they go home and talk to their family at the dinner table about you. If you meet their spouse at some party later and their spouse says, oh my gosh, Megan, my wife talks about you all the time. 
ding, 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 you're in. Client for life. Because if they're talking about you at dinner, they freaking love you. They will do anything you, you say. You say, come here. Okay, I'm there. Because they already know that you will deliver. And they will remember you forever. They may move on to other coaches, clients, events, et cetera. However, they will remember you and you will always be in their mind and they will come back. Do you know how many clients I've had that leave? They think the grass is greener and they come back. Same. Yeah. And it happens all the time. And we both know this. People get a little distracted by follower numbers on Instagram a lot. And they'll see like, oh, well, this fitness instructor or this business coach has a hundred thousand followers and they're like, they must be amazing. So they'll end your program and go to this one. And then they come back because they're not doing the things that they said they would do. Cause they overpromise. So simple. We I both did, we both did landmark. And I think we've talked about this. Like the biggest thing is like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And people, whether they realize that consciously or not, if you fail to deliver, they're not going to come back. Mm-hmm. Whether, and sometimes people will recognize like they delivered, I didn't do the work and they'll come back when they're ready to do the work, which happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think, I know Lance has questions, but I do want to go into this a little bit. Like, how do you deal with clients leaving? Because I think in any kind of industry, especially when we have new entrepreneurs, it almost like stifles their confidence. Mm. They think it's about that. And you need to recognize that sometimes it is, but most of the time it has nothing to do with you. Mm. So how do you deal with that? And what is your advice for new entrepreneurs? Oh, Megan, such a freaking great question because every single time it'll like, oh, ping me. Right. And this is the question I ask, or the thing I say, first thing is, because I get jealous what it is. I'm like, oh, I'm jealous that they left and went to so-and-so. And then my saying is jealousy is a call to action. So the next question I get curious and go, what is that? What is it really? And it's a call to action for me to step up my game. Jealousy is a call to action, but we're taught that jealousy is bad, wrong, don't feel it, icky, etc. And what if it's actually like something pushing us forward or creating something new? Okay. So that's one thing that I'll go through. That's like level one. Then the next thing I'll say is, oh, it's just an interesting point of view. It's just an interesting choice that they made because the moment I release the judgment, because I want to judge the hell out of them because they should want me, et cetera. And then I put myself in their shoes, Megan. I'm like, I've had many coaches that I love dearly and I've left and gone to others. And it really had nothing to do with them. It was just like, it was just time. It was just time. And I still dearly love this coach. And I'm like, I've done the same thing. So Joanna, you're feeling so much jealousy and hatred towards this person. You've done the same thing. So let them go. And when those leave, it creates more room for other clients to come in. And then I'm able to learn more from new clients. If I keep the same clients, they're going to hit a a ceiling. I'm hitting a ceiling as a a trainer, as a coach. So, but it's a lot of like rewiring the, I'm going to say the record player. Mm -hmm. So I state it like this, you know, when you have it, there's a two-year-old. Okay. So if a two-year-old is playing with a toy 
And if you came along and yanked the toy out, it's not going to be very fun. They're going to throw a tantrum because a two-year-old always needs something to play with. Okay. That's why you give them a rattle. You give them stuff. They throw it. You just keep giving them crap. Now that's what our mind is doing. Our mind is a two-year-old. It's always playing with something. Sometimes it's crap. Sometimes it's stuff that creates more. So anytime I take the rattle away from my two-year-old brain, I got to put something else. I got to replace it. So what happens is if I'm spinning because that client left and I'm spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, I'll replace it with something else. I'll replace it with, okay, that's, that's interesting. I'll replace it with, what is this here? What is it really, Joanna? What is it really? Oh, and I'll get a ping of, oh, you got comfortable. Oh, you, Joanna, let's level up your training. And so that's what I do for me because yeah, it used to hurt a lot more when this happened with the two-year-old mind of the record player. That makes sense. I think that, and you may have had this, I've had people leave me to go to a different coach. Maybe we weren't the right fit, but then they'll refer people back mm-hmm. where they're like, who you need is this person, Yeah, which is always nice. And I think the way that you end relationships matters so much because we can be jealous and mad or whatever, or we can just let people go and wish them well. Well, Megan, I did want to say one more thing. And then yeah. I, think, I think Lance had a question, but okay. This is what I've thought before. When I've left a coach, 99.9% of the time, they never asked me why, mm-hmm. you know, and I wanted them to ask me, I wanted them to go pick up the phone. Hey, do you want to thank you so much for the two years with you were with me? Can I ask you a question? what reason did you end your membership? Like I would want them to ask me and they have never asked me. And then, so, yeah. So then when a client leaves me and I'm like, Oh wait, I'm not asking them. I'm also chicken shit. I'm not. Cause I, I don't want to hear what it is. Right. So then I'm going up, oh, Joanna, you're in the same scenario. Uh, so that's been interesting too. That's been a little interesting journey. I always, especially if somebody is leaving like mid program or something, I will set up a call before I end the relationship, but I didn't always do that. So I shouldn't say always. I started that last summer just to get some information and like the feedback isn't always great, but what I found out is a lot of times it's nothing to do with you. A lot of times it's like, I don't like a group environment. I can't afford it anymore. Those are all like reasonable places and reasons to leave, you know, but sometimes there's good feedback and you take it and it sucks and you move on. Thank you, Megan, Megan, Megan. Sorry. Joanna, Joanna, Joanna. Uh, you seem very uh, conscientious. Thank you for making space for me on this call, on this uh, nice podcast we're on. Um, seriously, mental health is a, a topic that we talk about a lot and I kind of cringe because there's, a, there's one way to look at it as an uphill battle, but there's another way to look at it as a, like from a position of conscientiousness or even mastery, or I I believe that starts with self-awareness and potentially being on the psychological offense. Megan mentioned Landmark. Sounds like uh, you guys have uh, endured some training there. I would love to know more about other other philosophies you might've learned from that put you in this position where you're clearly mentally healthy, so much so that you're like causing us to be more mentally healthy from talking to you, right? And that's what is providing your power. Was there a moment where it clicked for you and you were able to like reconcile that it's okay to psych yourself up 
or to, my dad would call it brainwash yourself. And technically he's right, but Mm -hmm. is that necessarily a bad thing? Or how do you feel about all that? Oh, Lance, freaking, I love this question because I could talk about this all day long. And my awareness is that in the next 10 years, this conversation is going to be very different than the way it is now. And uh, so I just want to preface that before I go into what I'm saying. So for example, like let's go 20 years ago. What was that? 2000s or even like in the 80s, let's say. Yoga was very, very new age, right? Yeah, it was like, oh, yoga, right? And you had to go to India to do it. And like, if you said namaste, you were just a whack job. Okay. Now you say namaste at LA fitness. That's how watered down it is. I mean, not to impugn on it, but what I'm saying is it's just so. I just got my 200 hour certification. So congratulations. If you had asked me that 20 years ago, you know, right, Lance, right. You know what I'm saying now? Right. Okay. So that's what I mean about what I'm about to say, because I wanted to preface it. And so you asked me, what was the pivotal moment? And what I know now, is that I am a highly, 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 highly aware human being and uh, uh, let's just say inner being, right? And as we all are, we, this is science, okay? This isn't not even like a woo-woo thing, but science, two atoms, two cells can communicate with each other. It's science. So us as human beings with having bodies are like, radio towers. We're antennas picking up everybody's thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So what's happening is if we are highly aware, which we all are, but if you're highly aware, you are picking up everybody's thoughts, feelings, and emotions and believing that they're yours. 99.9 of the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that we are feeling are not hours. And I'm going to say this again, 99.9% of the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that we are feeling are not ours. We've all had this experience of walking into a room and you could automatically feel what other somebody else is feeling. You know, if there's the energy is like, you could cut it with a knife or if somebody's happy. And the first language that we speak is energy. We don't even need to speak English or Russian or Japanese. It doesn't matter. We speak energy. And so going back to what Megan asked about the events, energy, how you put butts in seats is energy. People feel energy. People feel bullshit. People feel awareness and they feel what is real and what is not. Okay. So Lance asked, what was the pivotal moment? And three years ago, I got really really sick, like to the point where I couldn't even stand up. Every doctor around me, Western doctor was telling me I had um, lupus. I mean, you name it, telling me. And I knew that it wasn't true. And years before I was in a mental institution when I was 18, my mom put me in a mental hospital because you're bipolar, you're crazy. And I used to say, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I used to yell it in my house because they wanted to give me medicine and things of that nature. But my awareness, thank God, I knew that I wasn't crazy. I just didn't know what it was. Now, looking back, I was highly aware, highly psychic, highly aware of things all around me, entities. You're gonna, you wanna call them ghosts. I mean, you're just aware of everything, right? 
So three years ago, I go to this Eastern doctor and she laughs so cutely. She goes, oh, honey, Joanna, you're just aware. And I'm like, what is, what the hell does that mean? Like, what does that mean? She goes, oh, like you're just aware of everybody's stuff. Here, read this book. And the book was called The Empaths Survival Guide. Ordered it on Amazon, read it from cover to cover in a day. And I'm like, OMG, this is me. This is me. I can feel everybody's stuff. So now when I feel something, I can go anywhere, Lance, and I could know everything about anybody right away. And as soon as I go, oh, that's not mine. Whose is that? It's not mine. It's not mine. It's not mine. I have been the happiest I've been forever. But how many years? So how many people are living and that they say, I'm depressed, I'm schizophrenic, I'm bipolar, I'm this, and they're just highly, highly aware. And I'll end with this. Most creative people are highly aware, which are artists, musicians, et cetera. Those are the ones that can like create a song in 30 seconds and then it's like a top hit, right? So think of them that have all committed suicide because listen to Chester from um, Lincoln Park. Remember he committed suicide a couple years ago? Listen to his lyrics. All his lyrics in his song are about, I hear voices, the voices in my head. I hear voices, the voices in my head. And nobody recognized it. No, they just called him bipolar. And I'm like, was he just highly aware and can hear the voices of other people that are around them? And he's not crazy. He's highly aware. So what I'm saying is this conversation that we were having, will bring it out in an archive in 10 years and people will be talking about this, that you're highly aware, you're not crazy. And we will be talking about being able to read other people's thoughts. Because right now, if I were to have this conversation with more people, I'd be, you know, like, you're crazy, Joanna, you're weird. You talk to ghosts, you can hear things. And let me tell you, there's more and more people out there that have this and they're not crazy. They're not. And it's like the more, the more that I could talk about it. So that's what I wanted to say. I think that we are very quick to label people who are highly sensitive or highly aware because it makes sense. You know what I mean? There's this idea that like, this makes sense. Here's the solution. This mm -hmm. now you're fixed. And it makes everybody very comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we live in this age where people don't want to take pills they really don't want to put chemicals in their bodies. And this idea of rewiring your brain is scientific and very different. You know, most psychologists are using it now mm -hmm. as like a step one to just change your thought pattern. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the piece that really makes sense. We always ask people, what is your morning routine? What is your mindfulness routine in the mornings? And what sets you up for success in your days? I give myself two hours in the morning. That's like, that's it my morning routine changes with seasons. So it could change within a month. It could change because I'm. this is my season of this event. This is my season of this business. But what stays consistent is that Joanna receives two hours before I do anything. I used to be that girl that was always late, hated the mornings, was such a bitch. Like just, if I had to be somewhere at 8.30 a.m., I woke up at 8.15 and barely got, that, got there at 8.29. Like that was my routine. And now two hours, I'm the early girl and it has changed my life. So there's other things that I do 
in between that because that's me telling God, life, universe, I come first. I get two hours for me. You know, same thing with money. Like I, every dollar that comes in, I pay myself 10% myself, not my, not my investments accounts, not things of that nature, but just me. I give myself 10%, then I pay my bills, then I pay my investments. But it's telling the universe, I come first. Two hours in the morning, I come first. So that's what I do. Joanna, I know you're a morning walker and you actually, during the pandemic, got me to start walking in the mornings, which shifted so much on my mindset, even if it is like half a mile. If I am just walking to get coffee and come back or walking around the block, it changes everything. So what time do you wake up though? Because we have noticed a pattern in very successful people, not to say that if you are a night owl that you can't be successful, but it changes when you have time in the morning before anybody bugs you. So when are you starting? Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. Every day, seven days a week, even on Sundays, even on a vacation. If I'm in Mexico, I still wake up at five. Now, this is the biggest reason why for me, I like to watch the sunrise. I want to like see the sun come up because here's the reason. If that is my last day on earth and I were to die, I would like to die knowing I saw the sunrise. The worst for me would be to die knowing that I missed the sunrise. And so that's the biggest thing. I'm always like, my last day is like, is this the greatest day? Well, I saw the sunrise and it's like, yep, great day. So that's the reason for that 5 a.m. And then sometimes it's earlier as well. But uh, Megan, I do want to go back because I used to be a night owl and I wore it like a badge of honor. I'm a night owl. Yeah, I don't do mornings. You know, I was I was that clear. And as I look look at it now, yes, Lance. As I look at it now, what I'm aware of is that I was secretly, it was a it was a hidden agenda that I was sad and depressed. So Mm -hmm. the sun represented happiness for me. So I didn't have happiness. So I wanted less sun and I wanted more darkness. I could see that now, but if you told me that in my twenties, when I was like, I'm a night owl, I do the best work, et cetera, et cetera. Now, again, this is not to impugn on on anybody that's an night owl. Just it's, I'm asking you the question, if you could be a little more aware, like, is it really? Because for me, it was the vampire syndrome of less sun, less happiness. That makes, before I hand it back to Lance, you have this mindset thing that you do that you taught all of us the mastermind about Joanna, you say, whenever anything good happens, how can it get better? Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, okay. When I started to go on this journey of I'm highly aware, I discovered, and I do want to give homage to it's access consciousness. So you can go to accessconsciousness.com okay. and they, they teach questions. They teach how to get curious about your life. And I never knew that. I'm like, what do you mean ask questions? Now I knew how to ask questions like, where can the money come from and who do I need to meet next? But then I was also taught to answer the questions like journal, answer them, right? So what I learned, Megan, was to ask questions, get really curious and not answer them. Because when we answer a question, we limit the possibilities with the mind that created it. For example, I am Joanna. I'm a certain age. So I know 
I have this many experiences up until this moment. So I can answer the question with my experience in life. Megan, you're going to answer it differently. Lance, you're going to answer it differently. So when we do not answer the question, God, life, universe can gift you the awareness of something that is actually even greater than you can ever, 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 ever imagine. Because when we answer it, there's a conclusion and we cap it. So for example, one of the basic questions that you can ask is, how does it get any better than this? That's like, I actually want to get a tattoo. My girlfriends and I are going to tattoo it on here, but how does it get any better than this? You ask this question when things are crappy and it'll get better. And you ask it when things are great and it'll get better. And we're taught though, to be humble as human beings and take what you get. For example, if I go to Megan's house and Megan says, Joanna, would you like some milk? And I go, oh, I don't really like milk. You know, we're taught not to say, hey, Megan, do you have any soda? I would like some soda, please. We're not taught that. We're taught, take the milk, be grateful that Megan's given you milk. Take what you get, okay? So we're not taught to ask for what we would like in life. So let's say somebody just passed away, like something horrible. You can ask, how does it get any better than this? How does it get any better? It could be with the death that it gets better, or it could be with money. It could be a gazillion different things of how it gets better. Next thing, let's say you just had the best sex of your life. You're like, oh my God, how does it get any better than this? And it'll get better. Now, it may not get better with the sex, but it could get better in other ways. You're just asking, how does it get better generally? Just how does it get better? Another question you can ask is, what else is possible? What else is possible here that I can never even consider? What else is possible for this podcast that I can never even consider? What else is possible for me and Megan's relationship that I can never, ever even imagine? What else is possible for my house that I can never imagine? What else is possible for my business that I can never imagine? And can you hear the curiosity in my tone? Like I'm genuinely curious. Now, a lot of people ask questions and it's a conclusion with a question mark at the end. Mm -hmm. It's not really a question. For example, did you know that one of the highest Googled questions on Google is what is wrong with me? Yeah. What is wrong with it? It doesn't know. I keep asking. <laughs> you don't know. Google don't know. Hey, maybe Suri will know that one. Or what's her name? Alexa. Alexa. Yeah, Can't say it loud. She'll hear me right now. She'll hear me. Ah, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, like what's up or why is this happening to me? So when you ask a question, you want to ask a how or what question, because how or what creates infinite possibility, infinite, infinite possibility. When you ask a why question, you actually get more of the why. So for example, let's say you keep dating and you're dating jerks and you're like, why do I keep dating jerks? Right? And then God says, oh, you want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. Oh, you want to know why? I'll tell you why. Oh, you want to know why? I'll tell you why. You want to know why? You're going to keep getting more of the why. Now, a, a different question can be, Oh, that's interesting. I keep dating jerks. What's that about? How do I shift this? Hmm. Okay. I wonder how I shift this and how does it get better? I wonder how my date gets better. I wonder how this next guy gets better. 
and you get really genuinely curious. And so the second thing is you don't answer it. And then the third thing is you get really, really aware because the awareness can come as a, a, like a little whisper. It could come as a butterfly little tap. It could be, it could hit your face. I mean, it could be so faint of what the awareness is coming to you. And you'll know, you'll get like, oh, because some people go, I've been asking questions. It's not working. I don't get it. Where's the answers? And I'm like, well, you're not going to get the answers. You're going to get the awareness. It's different. Answers are conclusions. Awareness are possibilities. And so th those are some of the questions, but I'm a walking, talking question. Everything in my mind. And like you said, like rewiring your brain, brainwashing your thoughts. I yeah. brainwash my thoughts now to be questions. Like everything's a question right before we recorded. I'm like, I wonder what the listeners would like to hear. I wonder what I could say that'll create more. I'm like, okay, here we go. Because if I planned for the interview, then I would write down conclusions. I'm just like, I wonder what I could say. Okay, cool. Here we go. That's what that is. You got to brainwash. Otherwise, it's not clean up there. And you can't like absorb any new knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's, this is too good a transition for me not to hop on. When you get, when you point out that, you know, you're asking questions, you're not answering them, but you are answering them eventually when it hits you, when it comes to you. I often refer to that as like, hey, let me, let me throw something out onto your subconscious back burner. And then whenever it comes to boil, you know, you let me know your thoughts. And oftentimes, you know, the, the brain is more powerful than you think. And it, it'll solve the problem while you're not even paying attention. And then all of a sudden it hits you. I actually had a moment like that today where I, I cracked the whiteboard out. I'm, I'm old school. I need those tools. I'm not really a digital inspired person. Otherwise, I'd, I'd maybe write some code or some NFT or whatever. So I had the, the whiteboard out and then I just laid out a very clear business plan that I have been trying to articulate a number of different ways in the past. And all of a sudden it hit me. And for me, that's nice. It's a, it's a really proud moment. But there are some people that, that just, they do a lot of that. We call that in a non-blasphemous way, God mode. Kind of like if you're you building SimCity and, and you're in control and all of a sudden you, you can build whatever you want. If you're a person and you do something really awesome and you're operating on all cylinders, uh, you can accomplish a lot very quickly. So we, we look to some archetypical examples when we think about people that operate that way. My favorite is Rob Deerdeck. Megan has her favorite. I was wondering Sarah if Blakely. you had anyone that, say that again? I said Sarah Blakely. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. Is there anyone that inspires you that you think is in God mode? And it can be someone like famous or uh, someone in your personal life. And just let us know how, how they inspire you. Yeah, do you mean like just downloads and it just comes out? Is that what you kind of mean, Lance? Like they accomplish a lot in a very little bit of time, or they're an expert or a savant or something that you've noticed. You say you, you've talked to a lot of creative people. Mm -hmm. Is there anyone that you think is like an archetypical example? First one that came to my mind is Lady Gaga. And I saw her on this one documentary. And if anybody else saw it, it's probably like 10 years ago. But what's very interesting is that when she is going to create a new album, she kind of goes into hiding, so to speak, because. She knows that she's highly aware. And when she's around other people, it influences her thoughts. And she wants the words that are going to come out onto the paper in order to be her next album to be hers, not to be other people's. So she says that she'll go into hiding. Sometimes it's a month. Sometimes it could be six months. And you just don't hear from her or talk to her. And she'll say all of a sudden, she'll get the awareness of what the album is. Like, there it is. And she'll just start writing 
the whole album, boom. And I thought, wow, that is phenomenal. And I wonder, and then I got curious, I wonder how I can create that in my life without having to go into hiding. Do you know what I mean? Because what I've been working on my, for me is how can I have the downloads? How can I be aware without allowing others to influence who I know who I am? Because for example, and this is what I've been studying so that I am not under the control and demand of other people. For example, some people will say, I need crystals. I need this. So nobody around me can hurt me. And I'm like, what if I can be control, not in control, but I am control so that nobody around me can influence what I am doing or feeling. Because I used to be the type of person I couldn't go somewhere because it was too much. It was just too much. It was like, oh my gosh, there's too many people here. I, I got to get out of here because, you know, people that are highly sensitive, it's too much for them and they need to leave. So what I am, have been working on is that I am strong. I am control. This is not mine. Joanna, it's not yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. Now I can go into rooms and not be influenced if I am highly aware. Now, if I'm unconscious or drinking alcohol and drunk, it can affect me. So, you know, going back to Lady Gaga, I'm like, so getting really curious, how can I tap into what she was able to do without needing to hide? Because a lot of people that are highly sensitive and aware, they are introverts. If you talk to them, they're all introverts. They close the doors. They're like, because it's hard for them to be around other people. So I, I wanted to throw that out there too, but I thought that'd be cool. Thanks, Lance, for that question. So we're writing a book based on our conversations with experts. You have knowledge far, far better for you to espouse knowledge than for us to pretend like we know anything. And so uh, we have chapter ideas and we've gone through a few of them. And we have some, some questions that we, everybody at the end for the next book, that's going to be called God Mode. But not God Mode. Phenomenal. Love it. So now, so now you're going to be responsible for hunting down Lady Gaga to be interviewed for that book yes hell yeah oh how does it get better than that right I, um, well well our final question is always what can we do for you what do you need from us or our listener what is the biggest thing you are looking for right now whether it's filling a program or you're looking for investors on your next projects and then either we or maybe our listeners can help you Phenomenal question, because I'm actually curious in PR. I, I know that I have something to share. It's just not being shared to the masses. And so anybody knowing how to get an article or to get some kind of TV spot, mm -hmm. I just highlighting like entrepreneur Latina that's been doing it for 20 plus years, I would love that can you how can you get me on the good morning america show i would be so grateful well you know who our last guest was no who was des dickerson who is one of the best pr people i've ever met yeah um, i will make an intro today okay no problem yes where does she live she lives in sacramento it's a quick little jump to la yeah good times great question yes I feel like you are um, on your way towards building something right now. You didn't really talk about your entrepreneurial endeavors. <laughs> I, I Those I, things. I know. Like right now? 
Yeah. I am building, uh, I have the Get Up Girl podcast and I am building a book. So I'm currently writing it right now. It'll be done in three months. And I am building workshops and retreats for women that are really highly curious and ready to go to the next level, millennials and Gen uh, Gen Xers. And I am going, I'm also building a fitness online platform for women with flavor. (laughs) It hasn't been fleshed out yet, but it's something with women with flavor. And I have the name yet, but I'm just not going to say it. So that's what I'm working on right now. And I'm excited for that. That sounds fun. What is a woman with flavor? Yeah. Can you provide bland people flavor? Yes, that's exactly. I, it's, I was describing it for women that are like, they may not have flavor, but they're like, but I want a piece of flavor. For example, it's like black culture. People buy into the black culture because they want a piece of the black culture. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like that. Like you want a piece of the Latin culture. You want a piece of the flavor culture, but it just may not be your default or what you were raised with. But you're like, I want a piece of that culture. That's, but with the fitness and some like fun dancing and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting, Megan, that you brought that up because it's so interesting. Every time I say flavor, everybody thinks dancing or Zumba. And yeah. I'm like, that's exactly why there's a market for it doesn't have to be dance, even though we'll have fun, but it'll be more on the fitness side. Yeah. I could use a little flavor. My very uh, Caucasian Christian <laughs> small town upbringing. <laughs> Zumba is awesome, by the way. I don't know yeah. if you've ever done it. But it's just like, you know, you're dancing away, working oh, yeah. out without working. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. It's hard. Yeah. We're taking a Zumba class. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The first at, one I ever went to, never again. I will never do this again. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, you, you both know me pretty well. I like things very precise and oh. directions and perfecting them. And that is not Zumba. I grew up figure skating. So like, dance for me was very much like this it was something that helped figure skating it wasn't like something fun like you and I'm I'm breaking out a little but it is hard for me to just go to a class where there's nothing to perfect you know what I mean yeah yeah we're not gonna perform this we're not gonna get you (laughs) jumping in what yes I get you I get you yeah I think of it like line dancing. Have you ever been country line dancing? You just jump in and go. Just follow along. Right. Yes. I once it. broke my mom's foot doing Greek line dancing. Greek? I tried. Yes. What is Greek line dancing? It's got more flavor. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Good one. And mic drop. That's the end of the show. Thank you so much for coming. And this was really fun. I feel like an hour just flew by. We should... We should have you back on once your your platform for women with flavor launches. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you guys had some really good questions. So I think it's going to be a great book. Those are good questions. So go listen to Joanna's podcast. Mm-hmm. She is the reason, she's the reason that I can do so many things, but also why I can go days without washing my hair, even though I work out five times a week, because mm-hmm. she has the best tips on what to do with your hair after a workout. I'm just going to tell her, the secret is take your hair out of the ponytail when you are done working out immediately. Yes. 
changes everything. Game changer. How can people find you? How can they find your podcast? We'll also put it all in the notes. Follow me on Instagram, Joanna Vargas official and subscribe to the get up girl podcast. Would love to hear from you. Mm -hmm.